0: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doconvert.com where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today,
1: as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew P. We're here at number 52 and Becca is here on this good, good Friday. Hi. So how's everybody's uh, week been? Good. Yeah.
0: No, it's been very good. Um, good. Busy, but, but good. We've got two, count them, two open positions at Do you convert right now? We did just hire. We can't tell you who yet, but she has officially accepted the content manager position here. At Do you convert? So she'll be working to help us expand the content that we're putting out, including this podcast, uh, upgrading it in awesome. both amount and quality uh, and type. Uh, and so I'm super excited to be able to have her on the podcast. Let you all meet her because uh, you you know her and you like her. <laughs> um, but we have Sneaky. yeah, we have two <laughs> open positions, and if you're listening to this podcast right now, you are probably an ideal candidate. For these two positions, so mm-hmm. like we always struggle with titles here. Uh, this this process has always happened. Like Becca, what do you want to be called, uh, Andrew? What do, you want to,
1: what, <laughs> what do we have? A, I don't know. That's my title? A,
0: it's the benefit of being a, a small small team. So we're calling them an SEM slash paid social specialist. But you're going to be an, an integral part of the team, working on paid search campaigns, paid social campaigns, Facebook, Instagram, interacting with the builder partners you work with. It's you know we are we are leveling up, not just how we. Do things but also who we're doing them with. And so we've got two awesome opportunities. So Becca, yeah. You used to work for Builder. I sure did. And now you work with us.
2: Yes I do.
1: <laughs> it's been a year. I think this is it's right out of it's, year, right?
2: Yeah, uh I think um a couple of weeks from now it'll be a year. I really enjoy it.
0: And we're only paying her a little bit to say that. <laughs> yeah. What would you say Becca from working with a builder to, to joining our team has been the most I guess fun is the right word right? But like, is it the exposure to multiple people? Yes. uh, The structure of the day kind of just sell, sell everyone listening on exactly why (laughs) you need to apply for these positions, please.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of both. It's a little more technical, which I enjoy and it makes me think harder. And um, you get to work with a variety of people doing a variety of things. So while a lot of it is ads and landing pages and things like that, it's always a little bit different. And the schedule is, I mean, I mean, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, the commute in particular is amazing. Oh, Even yes, yeah. The yep. commute mm-hmm. is awesome. R- remote Sometimes positions.
2: I get in an accident with my cat on the way to work, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> screwed out yeah. in front of
2: me. <laughs>
0: it's a pile up. Uh, yep. <laughs> and when you said technical, I'm sure a lot of people got scared and they were about to hit, hit apply and submit their resume. But uh-huh. I mean, feel free to correct me. Or yeah, I feel like we're very collaborative as well, though. So while you yes. are free to get your work done in the manner that is most efficient for you, you are just one Slack message away from Andrew, Kevin, Jackie, Mike, Jen, help.
2: <laughs> oh, for sure. It's definitely an awesome, positive team environment.
0: I have a fun question that I'd selfishly just want to know, but also might be helpful <laughs> for people considering if this is worth... On the spot. On the yeah. spot. <laughs> So, from a from a technical perspective. Yes. After spending the last year with us, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you say you were prior to coming on board and and have you has that needle moved at all? Do you feel more technically proficient?
2: Oh, definitely much more technically proficient. I would say I was probably at a 2, but I knew that there was going to be a lot of things I had to learn and that I had to mm-hmm. learn quickly. It was all manageable and Andrew did a great job of teaching me how to do the things I didn't know how to do.
1: Yes, we need to record that. We record <laughs> it. I'll play it every day. Andrew, you're a great trainer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Follow up, because I always have new questions after I get an answered to a question. How did you think you were a two before you came on board? Yes. Or did you realize you did okay, so you weren't you weren't imagining that you were a six and then you were like, holy crap, I'm in trouble. I'm a two no, you kind of
2: I okay. knew yeah. it was a big jump from, you know, we had 20 communities, so I was doing probably three different markets. And twenty communities worth of AdWords and Facebook—it's just mm-hmm. a totally different ball game. But at the same time, it's also manageable.
0: And you don't have weekly staff meetings or daily update reports. Or, Correct. Like, and I
2: don't have sales agents walking in my office asking for print ads because they don't understand digital. Good.
0: Right. So you get to you get to focus a little bit more, which which definitely yes. helps. Yeah. As well. Awesome. So yeah, you heard it from Becca. Apply now, and also. Sincerity. The most important thing is the ability to have empathy for the builders that we partner with, because they yeah. all have challenges, and yeah. that's the like the unteachable part. And that's why we sent Andrew to spend time embedded with um, the the home builder that he spent time with this summer, is because we are certainly prioritizing that experience. So even if we have other candidates that are technically perhaps better than than someone may be listening now, if you have that home builder experience, we will teach you and get you to where you need to be quickly, and we have plenty of resources to do that. So.
1: For sure yeah i think the technical side becca i I think you are being mean on yourself for being the two for sure I think you're <laughs> higher than that um, but I think it it's it scales quickly the knowledge of it sure does you get to spend and love Google ads and Facebook ads without for the most part without like lots of distractions people walking in your door so you you quickly go oh wow like I'm learning this very quickly yeah. because I'm not yeah. 10 minutes in Google and then someone walks over this way and then an hour then oh everyone's going yes. to lunch and it's like so I think you quickly learn but the builder side like Kevin just said like that's that's unteachable um, and
2: the other bonus is that the people you work with understand the value of digital marketing.
1: Right. That's, yeah. yeah. That's an assumption I forget sometimes. Like we don't have that like convincing yeah. for the most part. No. There's no convincing of, it's like, oh, we got to do this. Facebook, Google, let's go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, they've come and chosen to work with the UConvert because they understand that's that's our that's our jam. That's that's where we spend time and what we know. <laughs> our jam. What we do. Yeah. No, I, I completely, completely agree. When you have the ability to stay focused on a small number of things, but go very deep in it. You know, I've had a couple calls this past week where someone has mentioned that Facebook updated the, the way that the business manager looks for them and they're all confused and annoyed and while it is annoying to have to learn something new when it's what you're doing every day you're kind of like okay well I got to figure this out now but you don't have that stress of I only have 10 minutes today to figure this out because I have to go run out to this grand opening walkthrough at the model or yes. you know it's just this is what you're doing now and, and so not that there aren't periods of small periods of stress here and there when, when bigger projects need to be done and, and timelines sure. hit but generally speaking it is a much better, even hourly pace of life, not just oh, overall. Oh, for but
2: sure. Like Definitely. Throughout the day. Yeah.
0: Okay. So in order to apply, we have made uh-huh. a very easy URL for everyone listening. Now. do you convert forward slash grow, forward slash grow. Sign in today. We'll probably be making the first of these two hires, I would think, in the next week to week and a half. So don't delay. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're working at a builder now, you don't have to overly polish your resume. We probably know who you are and we probably can easily figure out if what you're doing doing right now is good or not, too. We can reverse engineer once That's we know true. who you're working for. So uh, don't overthink the resume part of it, because, man, this process has taught me, if nothing else, that people really screw up their resumes. Now.doconvert.com forward slash grow. You're going to grow with the team. It'll be a blast. Let's jump into story time. And I'm, I'm just going to kick off with one of the top five most common questions that I get asked. And I was asked this question probably another four times over the last week and a half. And that is, hey, when do I need to update my creative specifically? Talking about Facebook ads, Instagram ads, uh, display ads, all kinds of anything with visual elements to the, to the creative. When is it time to change? Because the impulse is always what
2: new is better.
0: New is better. I'm bored of this. Everyone yeah. in my company keeps mm-hmm. walking in saying, "I've seen this ad, same ad for the last 30 days." Isn't everyone else sick of this already? Hey, we build more than just this house. Why are we only showing this house? Um, <laughs> all these different <laughs> things make us feel, and also sometimes guilt on the half on behalf of the marketer. Of of, huh, I haven't had to update that uh, in a while. Maybe I'm not doing something that I should be doing or I'm not doing my job. It's true. And yeah. actually, Becca, you're going to be talking about what else they could be doing that yeah. would still be adding value with your story. But as I've tried to explain this as simply as possible, it kind of hit me uh, with a call I was on this past week where I just said, look, when you're trying to determine, do I update the imagery? The main question you need to ask yourself is, am I doing this to make it different or make it better? And specifically, this is with the social campaigns because anytime you change the creative, you're going to reset the count on all the social proof that's going along with that ad. So all the comments, the shares, the likes, hearts, smiley faces, wow faces, all that stuff is gone. Mm -hmm. And it does have an impact on both the brand perception that that ad is giving out of being extremely popular and interesting, as well as the pure numbers and the cost at times too. You don't want to just change it just because, but if you do get a better photo, something that better describes who you are now, again, back as simple as I can say it, if it's a better image, if it's clearly better, it's a current countertop on trend um, or current, current kitchen on trend, new elevation that's more popular, then yeah, absolutely make make the change. But if you're doing it just to make it different, not always a good reason at all. In fact, it, it can be more harmful, because especially if you don't have tons of good creative and now you're swapping stuff out that's just not as compelling.
1: I agree. I had that. Yeah. We just got a bunch <laughs> of new pictures from Box Brownie from a builder and I'm like, all right, this is the perfect time to change it because they were better. So it was, we made quite a few variations, but with that builder and the way they do, they're on, they're on your lot. We just have a few ads, more than one ad running at the same time for the same, essentially the same area. But yeah, it's perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, and because remember, the done. ad's job is to get the attention mm-hmm. and then get them to click, go on to the site, learn more, become a lead, become an appointment, become a sale. So if, if you do have a good performing ad and either it's dropping off in effectiveness and you're going to notice that through the amount of traffic, the click-through rates, quality score, a whole bunch of different ways, then you can turn it off, switch your creative for a month or two, and then go back to that one. Because the people who are going to see it, especially if you're using the AI targeting, are going to be in constant rotation as people come in and out of the market to look for a home. So you don't even have to say that ad's gone. I'm never going to use it again. You can resurrect it in two, four, six months, or even if it's seasonally, like if it's about, if it's got images of snow in it (laughs) or turning leaves or whatever, you can wait till the next season. And as long as the pricing and other important details are, are so correct. Just bring it back and use it again.
1: Good idea. Yeah, So smart.
0: All right, Andrew, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I have a fun one. This one we'll all have to jump in on. I'll just do the. I'll just do the setup. So it was, I don't know, 9 p.m. in the evening. I get this email ad disapproved, which is never a good sign, um, especially right. at night. I'm like, eh, like maybe this. You know, Google will crawl certain accounts more often than other ones based on how many ads there are and how many clicks they get. So I'm like, well, this is weird. Like, I hope this is from like that's an old weird ad and Google just happened to stumble upon it as they get goofy sometimes with paused ads um, and if they're actually active and will they disapprove it? Retract. It's really strange. So this one, I look at it and it said test was the campaign name. Dad hmm. group was test. I'm like, that's weird. Like, I hmm. don't do that. Becca doesn't do that. Kevin doesn't nope. do that. <laughs> like, that's super bizarre. I'm like, OK, I'll look at it in the morning. Let's see. Let's see what this thing is. So I get up, look at it first thing. I'm like, oh, that's really weird. <laughs> I had like a $10,000 budget, lifetime budget. I'm like, OK, weird, because typically Google ads are daily budgets. So yeah. this was a, like a lifetime budget. Um,
0: and this particular builder, that would have equated to like a lot three like, months of their digital spend.
1: Yeah. yeah. On that super platform. bizarre, super bizarre. Yeah. And it was a YouTube ad. So scheduled ad, $10,000 budget, not a daily budget for this builder would make no sense. And it was on YouTube. I'm like, they, they have some YouTube running because they have a really cool like brand video and mm-hmm. that's on Facebook as well. It, it looks awesome. But I'm like, this makes no sense. And then the video in there was what's the guy? Psy, um, Cy, Psy? Cy? Yeah. style. It was like, Gangnam Style. Like, yeah. 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 Like I've, I've tried to block that song out of my head. Like all everything about <laughs> (laughs) it. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, did they get hacked or something? Like, what is this? So I looked at the change history and it was a previous partner of theirs that still had access to the account and they created it like two weeks before but I think it was paused so I didn't see it. I don't know why last, that night, uh, Google decided to disapprove it. But so it wouldn't, good thing was it was disapproved. It would not have run but it still could have like if if it would have approved 10000 over the course of like I think it was three months the budget was.
2: You would have seen it but maybe somebody else wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, I could, yeah. So, well, this goes back to
0: why we don't want to let Google just run it all. And even though we're, <laughs> we're big on using artificial intelligence, when it's working, you still have to check on it. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that in the future. Sometimes we found you have to take the AI out, out, out back and give it a little kick in the pants and then send it back mm-hmm. off to work. <laughs> so you, if you're one of those people who says, I just don't have the time and Google's now saying, hey, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. We'll just get you some good clicks. And, and someone else still has access and makes those changes. You're probably not paying attention until... Yeah. 30 days after it's already started spending money and you get your new credit card statement and you're like, whoa, where'd that extra three grand go? Um, And the moral of the story here, and we always, we don't like to kick people out, right? Because we don't own the accounts typically. And so it's a conversation that we'll have and we start as, hey, do you still want this person to have access? Here's the pros, here's the cons. And generally speaking, there are no great pros to keeping it unless they're going to continue to be doing work for you in some other capacity. Um, But just, you do need to audit it. You do need to go check in there. We also ran into a situation, about six months ago where um, someone did have an employee who was no longer working for the agency still still had access and some some goofiness happened so it's one of those yeah. things make sure you're you're checking on it make sure you're keeping yourself safe um, right. but and it, I guess it, it does happen ahead. I think sometimes people just think we're, uh, we're crazy barking or yeah crying wolf for no <laughs> no reason like that stuff doesn't really happen or it would never happen with the company I'm partnering with you just never know
1: yep. and yeah. so to kick them out you need to own the account as well so like going back a step make sure you own it and then could Mm -hmm. be the gatekeeper on who has access or not. You got it. You have a fun story this week. You sent this one to me. I think it was two days ago. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like I read every comment. It was was not amazing. But yeah, yeah. Tell us this, this story.
2: Basically, just don't let the trolls take over. So make sure you're responding to the comments on your ads. So this week I did a lot of checking all of our partners ads and I found one where one person expressed some displeasure about the pricing in a rather snarky manner. Well, then a few other, uh, you know, Facebook land snarky individuals jumped on the bandwagon. And because so many had already, it had already snowballed, there was no way to fix it. Whereas if somebody had jumped in on the first comment and said, hey, you know, these are our features. This is why the homes are worth this and really prove the worth, then that can kind of stop the snowballing from happening. But we just had to start over, put a new up. And move
1: on. Do you remember how many comments there were that were not so nice?
2: It was a lot. I had oh, to geez. keep scrolling. <laughs> like a lot,
1: twenty maybe, or, or easily. Less than that. Oh, geez. Okay. I yeah. Remember there was quite a, Yeah. That's that's a few. Yeah.
2: And I used snarky because they were funny, but they were, they were also not accurate.
1: Not accurate. Yeah. That's mm.
0: yeah. Well, you, you do want to comment back, and and yes. Again, my my main rule of thumb always has been if it if the comment is neutral to positive, always comment, for sure, without a doubt. Once it goes from neutral to kind of negative, that's gray area. I mean, if it's just outright hostile, yeah. I still would say don't be afraid to, to hide slash delete the comment. Again, you're this is a paid ad. You don't have to let that hang out there. That right. still doesn't mean you ignore them completely. You may still reach out individually or try to get the conversation going offline somehow. But in this case, that snarkiness, like you said, you could come back at it, give them some basic information. Yeah. Um, I've seen the folks at Ideal Home's do this wonderfully uh, where they kind of they don't they don't smack the person back but they're very direct and, and snarky in a fun lighthearted way in yeah. that response and people are kind of like oh okay makes sense or even once people know the temperature of the conversation they get other homeowners or customers or uh, or fans of the company to kind of support their cause and like these are totally worth the money and um, yeah so I, I just don't be afraid to hide slash delete when things go wrong but I mean drastically wrong or headed down the wrong path but in this case, like you said, it was just, there was so much, it's just as easy to start over. Yeah. But the other thing back to my story time is so the marketer might feel bad about not creating a new ad every day. Let's say what else could they be doing with that time instead? If they're, if you're not having to create a new ad every day, then you have the time to monitor this because we don't, at DeConvert, we do not offer reputation management. We do not comment or talk as the builder ever. And yet we are oftentimes the ones finding this stuff first. Yeah. Simply because we're in there so often working on the ad creative, we'll see something. And so we pass that. A Along when we do to people, but it's not an actual service that we provide. But someone should be watching it in that in that way.
1: Yeah, I'd be like obsessed with it. Um, Agora Pulse <laughs> would be an easy way to help you do that. Um, I think that's one that is I think the most yep. liked that we've recommended. I guess. especially for larger
0: builders. I mean, if it's yep. small, you probably don't need anything. But yeah. if you're if you got a team or a couple of different people who can help respond, Agora Pulse is definitely the way to go. I mean, I I just even think you know back when I was a when I was a boy, uh, your your main ad every week was a newspaper. <laughs> ad right which you may run that same ad for two weeks in a row yeah sometimes you do like i mean it would it would last a long time um i don't I don't know where this came from where we have to from an ad standpoint not a content standpoint but but actual ads the thing you're putting more money yeah. behind why there's that compelling need to to change it out like every other day or yeah. once a week or
1: maybe just the assumed ease of clicking the buttons like yeah it's so easy just with the button yeah, yeah just put up a our up, house just putting you know, up <laughs> um, only <laughs> i can think of it's not being printed like that's so easy like <laughs> It's right there.
2: <laughs> if exactly. they're good, let them marinate, right?
1: Yeah, marinate, make me hungry. <laughs> yeah. And
0: just I uh, I know I'm I'm fixated on this, but just consider, let's let's use some quick math. If you've got an ad with a really nice picture, good comments, good engagement, the activity on the website's good, you're getting leads from it, and it's costing you twenty cents a click. And it's continuing to work. Why do you want to force a change just for something visually different that's going to go cost you eighty to cents to a dollar?
2: Nope. Doesn't make any sense.
0: It doesn't make sense to put money behind it. That's where I go. Like, it's okay yeah. to get more content and post it out there as on your feeds as just another image, as long as it's good enough. But why put $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $6,000 behind that as, as a vehicle to generate leads for you if it's just not as good? Now, there's branding considerations. I, I give you that, but that's not usually how most people come across it. It's like, I want to talk about the same kind of ad, same message, same general everything, just change that elevation. And <laughs> when you're losing all of that social proof, It it can be harmful. All right, enough of that. Moving on on. to the news. From our friends at Agora Pulse and uh, their social media lab, where they like to do experiments, the headline is: Do Instagram users like graphics or photos? Hmm. What do they What do they mean mm. by graphics or photos?
1: Mm. Photos being real photos, graphics being uh, vector-based images, yeah. like not real, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: like renderings yeah. for renderings. home builders. Mm-hmm. And I would also dare to say, although it's not scientifically proven by this by this research, I don't think this relates just to Instagram users. No, I guess I think you could just. Say do people prefer graphics or photos? But yeah. let's uh, let's talk about so the hypothesis that, that they had was that photos would achieve more engagement than graphics on Instagram. They posted two uh, graphic pieces. Uh, one looks kind of like what you would typically associate with some stock clip art type stuff, uh, and the other one is a graphic, but it's customized to the like the style that this company tends to use when they do post graphics. So it's it's much more personalized than the first one, but both are graphics based. Then, and the other ones. That they posted were just a picture of three people from the company and a picture of a picture hanging on the wall. I like that
1: one. <laughs> picture of a picture.
0: <laughs> the, the final piece of context here is that this they were doing this to see of the people who follow this company on Instagram, which one would get more interaction. So people who are already kind of part of the tribe or part uh, aware of the company. Not dissimilar, by the way, to saying people who have chosen to come to the HomeBuilders website and look at homes, I would say. Yep. So the results. Da-da-da-da. Andrew?
1: Where's our graphics here? Likes. So this is Instagram. So there's always lots of likes. Likes were 156% higher on the photos. So on the real photos. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Two times. Yeah. Comments were 300% higher on the photos. Wow. That's awesome. Which seems so, say it out loud, you're like, duh. Like, like obviously. But I I used to look at, like, I saw some today and there was a, oh, geez. So some big home sales event, whatever that means. I don't even know. Sounds like a car. And I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, it was just a yellow graphic and it had the text on it and that's all it was. Sure enough, it was not very much engagement but then the pictures before that were like during construction photos, lots of stuff happening in there. So we see it all the time but I think people get in this trap of like, oh, I need something different back to um, when should we update creative? and so they feel like, hey, maybe I need to put some graphics up. This would be neat. Yep. I could download it. I could change like the, in this example, it looks like they photoshopped this. It's a doctor. It's an ad doctor with a beaker and a uh, computer <laughs> and they photoshopped the Instagram graphic icon onto the desktop computer it looks like. And yep. so they're like, oh, this fits all. our our brand, but it only had, and theirs was 11 likes. And then the photo of staff had, I think it was 30, 27 likes, simple photo that took five seconds to take.
0: And I I think, you know, graphics get used for a lot of reasons, but like you said, for home builders, and this is just another way of saying the same thing that we say a lot, I don't have a picture of that floor plan or the one that I'm building is not going to be just like the one I have a picture of. So I'm going to just go to a rendering and we're not anti-rendering at all, but that does not solve the problem of content. Having a rendering does not solve a problem. And it is not as emotionally exciting. Even if it's personalized or specific, more specific than a photo is. This test to me is showing us that a photo that is similar but not exact would get higher engagement and more people more emotionally excited than a rendering that was this is the exact house that's going to be built, but it's clearly yeah. not, not a real photo.
2: It's more exciting. It's more, it's closer to real life than a rendering or a graphic.
0: Yep. And and the results again were statistically significant, which means means in their opinion and, and what how science works. When you hear that word, that means you do this test over and over and over again, you're going to get the same result because the the variation for the results were so impactful, so clear. So renderings are great. Just featured images or featured featured. Yeah. Featured images for your house whenever possible. Start with a photo, not a rendering. Ads, and same thing.
1: And, and Becca had and a super renders. awesome blog post out on how to take yes. photos, which. Oh, yeah. So don't be scared. Go and read that real quick. You'll have like your <laughs> checklist of photos to do so I think that should hopefully take the intimidation factor of like oh we really, we have this one let's say it's a floor plan elevation that you really need photographed you forgot about it it closes on say this afternoon at four o'clock you're like can I get there in an hour and get get some pictures really quick yes, yes you, you can. can you can go get it hurry <laughs> stop what you're doing um yeah hopefully that reduces the intimidation and it doesn't I think I mean obviously we want professional photos that are perfect but I think taking out that blog post you'll be like 95 percent there um, yeah. on yep. your own versus well, the blog post
0: is is all graphics so I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's just full of it's full oh. of pictures of pictures. It is only pictures, uh, and yes. sure enough, it had awesome engagement and everything. Yep. People loved it. Yep. Good job, Becca. Boom. Thanks. The uh, the next article here is from Builder Magazine, published on the on the web on April sixteenth, and it's called "The Home Building Innovators Dilemma: Beyond Demand for What Home Building Businesses Do Toward Need for What They Could Do." There's new opportunity here, and this definitely caught my eye. Uh, I thought it was going to be talking about the need to change product based upon what people are looking for today and the challenge that builders are having with that. It was not. It was actually more of just an example of saying that Oakwood Homes in Colorado has a service called Shazam. And it is basically, for the first year, a maintenance program that goes uh, a little bit above and beyond. Probably not even a little bit. It, It does go above and beyond what most builders would do. And let me pull up a quick example of that. So every every season of the year, they come out and do different things like inspecting and touching up the tile grout as needed in wet areas. Service sliding glass doors and tracks for smooth operation, clean faucet aerators test water heater pressure relief valve um, manually balance HVAC and change your filter irrigation system check etc that's the all in the spring service and then so so typical home builder scenario you get like a 30 or a 60 day punch out you know they come in they patch up uh, nail pops sometime in the first year very basic maintenance and the rest is all you call us when something's not working or, or breaks and we'll come check it out and this is more of a proactive service that they're offering to the homeowners for year round care and then after your first year if you like it, hey, you know what? You can pay us and we'll continue to do that. Sounds amazing. What do you guys think? Yeah.
2: I think it's great. Did they say
3: how much the
1: service was after?
0: Um, I don't see it in here, but when you, so I think we've talked about this before. There is a service here called Green X and I think we pay like $89 a quarter and they come out to this neighborhood, anyone who lives in this area, and they will treat for outdoor pests. They'll knock off bees nests and hornet nests and treat for, but, but everything that they're treating the house with comes from Home Depot. Like there's nothing proprietary at all to what they're doing. And their total expense, including labor for our house is probably somewhere around 24 bucks. So oh, that, wow. okay, 24 bucks is their cost. We're paying 89 because we don't want to deal with it. And we live a little right. bit outside the city. So there is more wildlife and, and insects and, and all the rest here. So it's just, it's it's a basic service that's really convenient for us. Um, so I'm sure they're going to be making money, but it doesn't have to be crazy either because none of these services are over the top. Like when I say over the top, they're not a cleaning service. They're not a lawn mowing service, uh, which I think is an opportunity. And I think you're going to see builders go that route too.
2: Yeah.
0: We've been talking with our builder partners about this concept for the past year, year and a half. And it's, it's really exciting to see somebody taking it on. In fact, beyond the year round care maintenance packages that they have, you can also get regular handyman services. So, you know, they say, do you need blinds installed? Thinking about painting an accent wall? Do your kids need a new swing set put together? We can help. So
1: take that away from me, please.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and the concept here that's really important is this idea of bundling. Um, and I feel like we talked about this before with someone like Nike, where, you know, uh, a- Apple wants you to be part of their ecosystem, right? Uh, everyone wants yeah. you to be part of the ecosystem. They want to have regular reoccurring revenue of you pay us X amount per month and we will take care of you. And someone like Nike who has such a strong brand, if they're, if they're speaking to athletes, could they not charge 10 bucks a month and say, hey, we're going to have special hotels we partner with who are going to like... Their workout centers will always be Nike approved. And that means it's going to be able to do everything that the ad doctor wants to do for powerlifting. And the restaurants in there are going to have special Nike approved healthy meal options. And uh, we'll have pre-drawn running paths uh, around for for different lengths uh, if you want to run outside around the hotel. But this idea of what's kind of that core brand essence and how can we bundle that service on a monthly fee and offer so much more for it. And I think that's that's what Oakwood is doing here. And it's super, super smart something that again it's been out there it's always fun though when you when you speak something out and I'm not saying they got it from us but but when you talk about something and then you see it start to come to life super super interesting and I I I think and I hope a lot more people start doing the same thing um it's uh, It also just keeps them closer to their customers. And instead of just selling the house once, making money from the customer once, you get to make it every, in this case, every quarter or every season. Yeah. I, but I, also whenever they have another project.
1: I think it's things to, um, it's inter- It's really, I'm glad we, we built new down here because it's like my brain is, is expanding so much on people's perceptions of new, especially down this way where I am in Pinellas County right next yep. to the beaches. There's not much new. So people's experience is never firsthand experience. It's what they hear and what they hear is never good. Yeah. Like there's never really, unless it's someone that has tons of money they built something on the beach and it's fully custom ridiculous like that's totally different but everyone's experience and perception whether wrong or not wrong is always negative on the new home or, or building a home oh no that sounds awful you guys better get counseling like this isn't gonna work um, <laughs> and we have definitely had like our our speed bumps along the way but the outcome is gonna be you know what we want and what we want. but there's definitely like ups and downs that's fine but I think things like this that really separates existing versus new and going with you know, just adding on to make new even better than it is, just to combat, you know, this perception, which down here we have. I'm sure Denver, I know when I was out there a while back, all the Uber drivers, like, oh, there's so much development. It's terrible. that You know, they're, maybe it's just the Uber uh-huh. drivers are crazy. I have no idea. But just to make it a positive thing, like, oh, you buy new? Oh, that's awesome. You get this. They come out to your house, you know, like you just said, and what Shazam the services, all these things you wouldn't even think about, like, oh, the grout, like that's not difficult, at least to me. Like, that's not really hard, but do I really want to deal with it? But I do want that. Like you say, you listed those things. I'm like, of course I want these things, but I don't want to do them. Yeah like let this person and most do it. people never change
0: yeah. the air filter in for their hvac system like ever or every couple of years or whenever it stops working mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like oh my power realize, up, oh, I, I should I, change
1: it oh shoot yeah That's why I, yeah that will do it
2: well it's just a an added value to increase your overall buyer experience and it kind of extends it along past the purchase and the warranty phase so that you really i mean you've been living in your house a year two years and all you can think about is how wonderful it is now even if there were a couple of hiccups along the way while it was getting built.
0: Yeah, and it's easy to live in now. Very easy. Yeah. And but things work. You're less likely to have the story of something else going wrong because if they can identify it and take care of it before it becomes an issue, back to the grout, mm-hmm. like, hey, it's just a small quick touch now versus something yeah. being seriously wrong later. Now, we're, we pre-recorded the episode that'll come after this one because the holidays and some travel schedule stuff, but we talked about Zillow and their move into, into buying I hopefully on their end what they want to to get to is 5,000 homes a month. And, and essentially, part of that is this concept. They're going to be making a lot of money off mortgage and title and, and other parts of the transaction, not just the sale itself. So let me ask you guys this. Do you see a time where you know, prices of homes continue to rise? Affordability is is a big issue. Do you mm-hmm. see a time where builders say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to accept a 8%, 5% lower margin than I have right now to sell the home if I can get these bundled services where I can make money off of this customer for the next five or 10 years. Yeah. I'm willing to not sell it for a loss, but sell it at a more affordable, more attractive upfront price.
2: Absolutely, because then you have your monthly income, which is more predictable than the real estate market ups and downs.
0: I, I agree. Yeah, I, I g- think it's definitely going to happen. Not not everywhere, not for all product types, yeah. but yeah. I can definitely see uh, builders looking at it that way. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to be joined by Jane Marr, the president of Success Strategies to talk about Design studio. the the customer experience and a whole lot more unfortunately the internet failed us and we had to revert to the good old telephone for this interview so we apologize in advance for the condition of some of the audio quality but the content is top notch you're not going to want to miss it we'll be right back
4: Andrew, I've talked about this for a long time, but we finally got her. Uh, With us is Jane Marr, the president of Success Strategies. Jane, thanks so much for joining us this week.
5: Thank you for having me. It is truly an honor and a privilege to be with the esteemed, well-known, world-renowned Kevin Oakley and Andrew as well. So thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely.
4: And we're going to talk about all kinds of different things because Jane has insight on so many different parts of the customer experience and, and how... How to make processes better and smoother, and we're going to talk about Andrew's own experience with his home, new home process, and get Jane's perspective on some of those things. So we're going to be bouncing all around here, and you're going to get to know Jane really well. Jane, just kind of lead us in by telling us briefly what is what does your company do with homebuilders?
5: Sure. Um, well, we actually are experts in the uh, areas of home personalization. It's a unique niche in the home building industry. My background is sales and marketing and some design in home building but as a company now specializing in design studios, we create a design studio environment. We've created over 160 and we've been honored with 27 national awards for best design center in the country. But we wow. also do yeah, it's crazy even to hear me say that out loud. Uh, but we also do a significant and robust business in uh, best operational practices, looking at policies and procedures and customer experience through uh, sales and design and leading into construction and sometimes beyond. We also so, uh, work in training. So we will train the sales and design teams to leverage the design studio or personalization as a unique differentiator and train them in observing the customers by increasing per home revenue and improving the customer experience. And we also do a lot of strategic consulting in areas of product. What are we selling in the store? So that's really uh, around um, are we offering the right trending product? Are we offering the right category of product? How does quantity of choice affect Decision making. How do we employ strategic pricing? Uh, so we work in all those realms
4: of the design studio world. Wow, that's wow, that's, that's a that's lot. That's like everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, enough time to cover a ground on everything, and and I want to sure. make sure we have time to dig into even just selfishly because I had my own experience with you that was awesome in the design studio specific realm. But before we even dive into the design studios themselves, um, I'd just love to get your perspective on today's home buyer and if you how you feel like. Obviously, they have changed, but how do you feel like? Home buyers' expectations in personalization, selection, and customer experience have changed over the last 10 years from your perspective?
5: Well, I love that question because part of what we do at the foundation of everything we do is we study consumer purchase psychology and we also study retail trends. How are leading retailers outside our industry serving the changing needs of today's consumer? So that is a perfect question. And I think there's all kinds of themes going on. This could be an hour presentation in and of itself, but certainly, there's transparency as a theme and how that relates to the design studio world is, you know, customers wanting more information prior to making a purchase decision and how does that affect the uh, kind of archaic linear pathway that used to exist where you don't go into the design studio until after you sign the contract. So transparency is one of them. You know, I think people over the last few years are in heightened design environments all the time and so that puts a lot of pressure on the physical environment of the stores to live up to the type of retail environments that people are in all the time so I think there's a higher level expectation for that people don't say oh well you know it's a home builders design studio so that's why things look kind of subpar." they they have an expectation for it to be the same as any retailer in the mall and then I think from the shopping perspective obviously we're we're used to shopping a lot more online and our industry um, has a lot of untapped opportunity to figure out how to bring that into the design studio world. You know, there's also the concept of how we shop today, where there's a lot of these curated collections kind of that happen, whether it's Stitch Fixed or Hello Fresh or something like that, where the customer wants, as we say, a quicker solution. You know, how do we get quicker, better, faster, and easier and with more expertise to our desired result? And I think there's a lot of different ways that home builders can capitalize on that. So, I mean, those are just a few that come to mind. That's right,
4: exactly what I wanted to kind of draw from your unique. You Perspective, and obviously, those are similar answers to what we would ask a lot of people, but just with your own unique spin on it. So that, that was awesome, Jane. It feels like design studios of one type or another you know, whether it's a full blown experience or just a really nice finished basement, like when we first met each other, when we were helping my builder. Um, that that, that idea is definitely becoming more common. Is, is that true, or just my perception? Is it just the builders that we're working with?
5: You know, I, I would say it's true, certainly from the, the level of interest that we get. You know, I think in the old days... A long time ago, you know, the concept was people would buy the house and then, you know, maybe the builder could make some money and, you know, do some quote unquote extra is a word we would never use. You know, I think today there's a very top of mind awareness that the design studio is not really in, you know, a, a, something that occurs afterward, but it should be integrated into the entire sales experience that the design studio can and should be the forefront of the builder's brand. Um, and it should be the high point of the experience as well, uh, so most builders now look at it not only as a significant profit opportunity, but really as um, kind of the, the central point of the customer experience and the ability for the builder to connect the customer emotionally, not just to the products that will create a unique home, but through that to the builder's brand.
4: I love what you said there about the core of the brand. And, and I think we're leading there is that experiential nature of being in that base. It's not just the stuff on the walls, but the process of, seen all visually and, and as home builders we often think retail kind of naturally because we feel like our model homes are our retail spaces and they are but they also have very defined base spaces and layouts that may or may not resonate with the home shopper and this is a similar but different base that has i think andrew the way you talked about it when we were, we we're going through this was just it, this was like the fun experience of being able to see all of mm-hmm. your options collectively in one face and really get to quote unquote play around and i know that it's not from a process standpoint jane who want people to necessarily experience maybe feel but not experience uh, that kind of like play like you, you have your purpose and you're focused and you're trying to accomplish something in a in a good i like word I'm looking for you want you to feel good about it but we also don't want it to feel haphazard or like you're just playing around in a sandbox necessarily either but talk, yeah, I is, think- it's like is that what you're talking about like kind of the, the like Papa stores are big trends and it's the, the second life of retail now is create this opportunity to have an in-person experience with a brand in a different way and, and I kind of heard that a little bit of what you is that fair? Yeah,
5: I think it I think it's fair, sure. And I think it goes back to, you know, something that maybe seemed so obvious to me that I forgot to answer it in your earlier question. And in, and that was, you know, really about consumer trends and how customers interact with their brands. And you know, no surprise to anybody that we increasingly as consumers are unwilling to settle and we want more and more personalization in every product and every service that we um, that we buy into. And so when you when you think about that, the way that carries through into the design studio, it's not just about, um, you know, the options that can help you have a house that's more closely aligned with your personality and your design style. It's deeply about the lifestyle experience. How can the products that you choose to invest into in the design studio create the lifestyle that you and your family want to have in the home? And to your point about the model, uh, you know, models are amazing. And of course, you know, we're big believers in merchandise models and all of that. Um, But but it's not necessarily... the floor plan or the style that is for an individual customer so the model has one purpose the design studio obviously has another and one of the contrast points I guess there is that when the customer gets into the design studio it can and should be all about what is unique and special for them so they're not you know really in a floor plan or a design style that that isn't about them so I think that the design studio is the one place in the entire builder experience that can really be focused on the customer who of course wants Everything focused on them, um, so I don't know if that answered the question, but
4: no, that, that's exactly right. And like you said, it's just that's when they're making it theirs. Everything, the, every decision they're making is their decision, and they're personalizing the home even before it built. And in their mind, they're taking ownership of those those decisions, and, and it's getting to a really deep emotional place there. And, and talking about customers and their experiences, I'm going to shift it over to Andrew, and Andrew just kind of briefly <laughs> go through the the interactions with the home builder after the point of purchase through that selection process, unless just, if you can, just some of your highlights and lowlights from that experience or things that surprised you. And mm-hmm. what I'd love, Jane, for you to do is just provide some context on how normal is what Andrew's expressing or, or sure. is he just odd? All right. I'm excited to hear. <laughs> Me too.
3: <laughs> okay. So our first interaction at the design studio was a preview night, which was really, really nice. We got an hour of time. It was a bit of a drive from us. It was actually an hour and a half for us to get there from where we actually are, are current living currently. We got there and they gave us a tour as if we were doing these process, like we're starting in the kitchen and then we're going to pick our floors and then we're working in the bathroom, lighting and then other structural changes and then finishing all up. Here's what it would look like on their pretty table all all put together like our, uh, I don't know what the word would be <laughs> like the collage of everything that we thought we pick and then we we went ahead and made the appointment because we were signing the contract the next day um, made our election appointment for like about two weeks later. So that was, that was nice. I'm not sure if that's normal to have a preview night or not but it was definitely for us like we're like we have no idea what we want to get. We don't even know the options like at all. There's nothing with this builder. It was, I think I've mentioned on the podcast, so it was KB, very, very limited um, information on their website as far as even pictures. Like we were on Instagram searching hashtags to find like different options that we assumed were available. Um, so that was our first experience that preview night was like, hey, here's the other, granite, the other quartz options that they that they have.
5: So um, first of all, congratulations. That sounds exciting you. that you're Thank going to be brand thanks. new homeowners. What's that? Thank you. So in in terms of is that typical, it's hard to say what's typical, but I can share with you how it relates to what we would um, consider best practices. Yeah, uh, yeah. So first of all, we are very big believers in a preview night, which we do think should be a educational and celebratory experience that is designed, uh, especially if it is as it was before, uh, before contract in your case, uh, it should be designed to give the, customer, the potential buyer uh, confident that the builder has the products that they're looking for the investment amount, because we don't use the word prices, so we would say the investment amounts are reasonable, and that they have a general confidence that, you know, the builder operates in a professional manner and that the process or experience of personalization will be an easy one, just enough to get them to the point where they say, okay, that was our last hurdle prior to signing a contract. We may not know what the cabinet hardware is going to be in the hall bath, but, you know, we're definitely, we know this is going to work out amazing. We're pumped. We're now starting to get emotionally connected to the unique personalized home. That we started creating, and uh, we're ready to, to take that home site off the market and move forward. So I think that um, that is working as it is intended. A lot of builders do not do preview night prior to contract signing, and um, I love that your builder is doing that because we do believe it would be a shame to have this amazing state of the art facility that is tied to the builder brand, um, and you know really shows the quality of the entire home buying grains that builder is going to provide. It'd be a bummer to not have any. Anyone see that till after they sign a contract so that part of it I, w- I don't know if it's typical but I would say seems like a best-in-class practice uh, the fact that you went through a tour and got an introduction to all of the products uh, I think is great that's that's what we recommend as well so that it's very educational it's usually a big eye-opener for the customer in terms of the type of um, attribute they might be looking for in different products hopefully they learn a little bit about trends they certainly get to see the included features and as you mentioned what other types of things are available in each product category Mm -hmm. and they hopefully are very much looking forward to coming back and actually making their personal selection so
3: awesome awesome that makes sense um i'll just jump straight to i guess high points and low points i think that will that will be fun great so i'll i'll do low points get get those out of the way um it was interesting the talking to like when we went through the model at the community and you're like hey how much is this floor option because obviously the model has the more on trend and um probably options they want to pick, I'm assuming. But it's everything like we wanted. We're like, hey, how much is the court in the kitchen? What about these cabinets? All this stuff. Um Comparing like what the what sales estimated, you know, they were never like, hey, it is XYZ price um, investment for this type of flooring. But just having, it was a definite low point because we were trying to budget things before our meeting.
4: The discrepancies weren't always negative and sometimes they were giving no, you a higher no. price than you actually, so it was just not, it's just the inaccuracy more than it being too high or too low. Yeah,
3: Paver patios, only like, I'll, I'll say number so everyone it was like $600 for the, the paper driveway and then patio in the backyard and in my, I'm like that's crazy that's, that's really inexpensive because I like, I did that on, on our existing home and then like the flooring was way like the tile hardwood um, look way over over cost what they said at the sales and then like the, the vinyl plank floor that was in the opposite direction so it was like how are we playing this up? so it was, that was you know we got through it obviously but it was just, sure this has been good going through it it's, it's been like the best research for me um, sure. just having the empathy <laughs>
5: Okay. <laughs> Seeing another side of it? Well, you know, I would say certainly having discrepancies and expectations set about anything, whether it's, you know, availability of different products, uh, as in your case, the investment levels on different products or even policies and procedures, you know, there should not uh, obviously be discrepancies between what sales is describing and what occurs once you get into the design phase. The great thing in your case is you did have the opportunity to get some transparency and get some information prior to making a purchase decision. So at least you, it sounds like you're not feeling that you were you know, misled in any way because you did have that opportunity prior to purchase but it sounds like the builder does have an improvement opportunity to look at the way that the sales team is uh, you know, sharing information and get it more closely aligned so there's a, a number of things they can do but hopefully they got that feedback from you.
3: You are so positive. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome. Um, and going on to positive things I would say for so Stephanie what's her name at, at baby her patience was insane like, like we were there for six hours, and we had you know tons of choices to make, and we were like, okay, I think that the countertops and the flooring took like an hour and a half in itself. Just maybe this one, oh maybe this one, maybe not this one, this one, and just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, that was that was really nice. We didn't feel like we were ever rushed, um, even though it still took us like six hours in a single day to um yeah. to make that. Is that common to usually have a single day or is it multi day? I'm sure depending on the price point.
5: It is based on a number of different factors. Um, theoretically, I would say that one success. appointment would not be my preferred method and these are really for some non-pragmatic reasons. Um, so could could you get everything done in one six-hour appointment? Sure. Um, I'm happy that you had the preview. Yet, um, you know, when we look at consumer decision-making, we know that it slows down after a few hours. It's a lot of information to absorb. Sometimes customers in a world-class design studio and a best-in-class experience uh, need a little bit of time to adjust to perhaps investing more than they might have originally thought they might want to. Often they find that there's tremendous value when they learn about the technical and functional benefits of products and what it can do to their lifestyle. Um, they may decide to invest some additional dollars into some higher level products. And, and emotionally, uh, that may need a little bit of time between a first and a second appointment so that it doesn't become um, very overwhelming. You know, we study all the reasons why people said they were felt overwhelmed and rushed, and I'm glad you didn't feel rushed. And, you know, sometimes one six-hour appointment is not, not the best way to do it. Um, sometimes two, two- or three-hour appointments, you know, theoretically would be a better way to go through it, but... That would have to be supported by a bunch of other different types of processes to make it work. And so um, it sounds like in your case it worked out great, but um, the amount of hours that someone would need would be based on factors like um, how much choice does the builder offer. Um, Certainly, as you indicated, the price point of the home and the amount of discretionary dollars the customer has to invest, um, the level of included features, but both the breadth and the depth, I would say, of different product categories. So there's a lot of other and and the quality of the environment the quality of the team so a lot of things would go into the total amount of hours Um, six doesn't sound uncommon at all Um, whether or not it's best in one one or more than one meeting is a a different point and
4: Andrew since you had to drive about an hour and a half with traffic and bridges and all those other things you have down there do you feel like looking Mm -hmm. back you would have rather made that drive an additional time or I think there
3: were some choices that could have been made not in person like definitely The flooring in person, colored like the countertop cabinets, like those core choices were you know, 100% necessary over there. But like, we and some of this, like, we didn't know until we, like, how much is this light? Like? Okay, it's this much more. Okay, how much is that? Like, it's and then you have the the quote credit of what is already based for that floor plan, that community they get again the, the cost of the, the next upgrade, per se, like the lighting in the uh, in the bathrooms. But some of like a picking like that light or like the, the faucet, like, I'm like, we could have done that like online or something, like, it wasn't necessary. Theory. there wasn't that many choices to begin with, but there's probably like two or three hours of yeah, like, stuff you know, that was just going handled- to the checklist.
5: I don't think any buyer, um, and I, I would put myself in this group because I'm so protective of my time. I don't think any buyer is going to say, I would prefer to come for two appointments an hour and a half away than one. I, I just don't think that anybody, you know, thinks that's best. But sometimes, and it's different for different builders, and especially, you know, if you're going to be investing many tens of thousands of dollars, and it depends, you know, if you're mm-hmm. going to be investing 3000 it's a different experience. But sometimes mm-hmm. um, we can give the customer a better experience and reduce their desire to make late changes if we have a better chance of anchoring it in earlier. But they're not going to know right. that. So typically nobody's going to say, yes, I think I would make right. less late changes if I had more time to sit with uh, items, do some research in between appointments, and come back fully prepared for my you know final appointment where I'm going to authorize and finalize my selections. Um, and it also depends on the quality of the experience. When we create a really elevated premium experience, um, it will be worth somebody coming back more than once. For a builder that maybe doesn't do that, it might not be worth it. So these are all interesting points that hopefully you're listeners can play around with and decide what's best for them?
3: Probably segue into our next question. B, I visited a few of our builders, um, their design studios, and I was blown away. Like I'm like, these are amazing. And then I went to our builder, maybe, um, down here in Tampa, and I was like, eh, like this wasn't, it wasn't um, Instagram worthy, for the lack of a better word. Like it was nice, <laughs> it was clean, it was newer, um, but like Lowe's or Home Depot did a better job of, of showing off their kitchen. Well, that's
5: Which a is- bummer because then I, on your image- image of the brand which um, yeah. it wasn't
3: you know, dirty or like old no no, no like it, it nice was transactional transactional Transaction, Transaction, right
5: it. yes
3: the people and, were great the people were yeah great. and right. and
5: you know what we do hear that all the time that the, the quality of the builder team the human interaction with somebody that even if they were not as skilled or knowledgeable as they could be that they were compassionate and they were caring and they didn't rush the customer and all of that a lot of times the quality that human interaction can transcend or make up for a suboptimal experience. Having said that, though, a design consultant who is super sweet and compassionate and gets great survey scores is not the end of what the builder wants in the experience. The builder should also want a a design consultant who truly upserves the customer and gives them every opportunity to see the benefits of higher-level products and to maximize per-home Revenue without in any way diminishing the quality of the customer experience. So um, you know, there's a lot to be considered in that whole part of it as well.
4: That leads me into kind of the last series of, of thoughts or ideas that I wanted to get your feedback on is the lack of pre-work that he was able to do online or with materials that he could take from preview night and continue to work through. Yeah. Is that I, got, I know common and typical is a strange word to use for, for what you do and how you work with builders, but because we are all so different and happy be, but is that still a, a, a common or typical struggling with?
5: it is more common um, than we'd want it to be. And that really has to do with elevating the entire customer experience, starting off with managing expectations, front-loading information in a digestible, consumer-friendly way to set the customer up for success in their series of visits or appointments, whether it's a preview and one appointment or a preview and two appointments, or if there's an open house in there. All of those touch points, if proper, Properly managed will create a really fluid customer focused experience where the customer shows up every day with clarity on what the goals are for that interaction they've been coached to be well prepared you know just like we'd manage any other business transaction that you know or part of a, a business this whole personalization experience can be managed that same way and often it's not uh, to the extent that we believe it could be uh, for a lot of builders so that you know th- that's an opportunity for growth for some companies. In terms of technology and other tools that the Mm -hmm. builder can provide to better prepare the customers to make confident, quick, easy, comfortable decisions because they've had the chance to think about things, there are many tools. Technology should play a bigger part in our industry, but doesn't. Uh, There are many tools that the builder can use toward that goal. Um, You know, I think we have such a tremendous opportunity in our industry to get the types of technology that are available in other industries and to weave them into the remote and in-person parts of the personalization yeah. experience. Um, but there are also non-technology tools that can be used to guide someone and prepare them for a successful, um, you know, enjoyable and productive experience as well. Yeah, because
4: it seems to me like there are certainly selections that, no matter how you approach it, would be more transactional to to some people, right? And that's going to be different. Like there are things that my wife will always. Want to have an opinion on and touch and feel and 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 put together in that kind of collage view that Andrew was talking about. And then there's other things that by, by individual, it'd be really nice if technology allowed us to say, is is this part transactional to you, the specific consumer? Great, then you can make some of those initial selections online. That the space itself or the time with the experts can be focused on the parts that need to be more experiential to help you feel confident about and, and excited about your decision.
5: And I think that's really well said, and it's um, it's really dissecting that. Ex- experience. And looking at what are the points that are emotionally important to the customer, how do we best support that? What are the points that are not emotionally important to the customer but important to get answers on to the builder? How do we best support right. that? You know, where are yeah. there opportunities to, um, to, to move people into higher-level products and have them feel amazing about that decision and not resentful of having to, quote-unquote, spend, we would say, invest more money to get there? And that's really about the educational piece. Piece. And it's about the sales or presentation style and making sure that we are um, taking very seriously the responsibility to educate the customer on the benefits of higher level products in a way that they feel that they can make good value judgments. This is an additional investment of X, but here are the benefits, you know, Y and Z that I get for that. Is that worth it for me? And and that is, you know, that whole part of that opportunity for builders is sometimes not fully seized because yeah. we think that people just make decisions visually. Oh, do I like this tile better than that tile? Well, what, what about why it's worth more dollars?
4: So. Yeah. I loved when you were with our team, gosh, and this was a while ago, but I still remember Uh, You were doing a training for the two or three folks that we had running our design space at the time. And we had just introduced a new type of flooring and they were a little bit like, "Mm, I don't, I mean, it's not, after it was some type of vinyl application that looked like wood or something. And you were like, hold on a minute. There is a type of customer with a specific need that this will absolutely, like if you have a large dog, this stuff is indestructible and it looks the most like wood at the time, This is seven years, eight years ago. But I, that, that, I'll always remember that interaction of you just saying, wait, hold on a minute. This still has but now there's still other things that you're calculating, like, do we have enough space in the current design area to showcase this? And is there enough of a need for it to occupy that, that shelf space? But this is actually ideal and it comes at a value price.
5: Yeah. And, and whether it's um, the pet-friendly nature of a product or many other different types of examples of things, it, it comes back to you know understanding the lifestyle that the customer wants to have in the home and helping them select products and features and finishes that will support that lifestyle. Um, so, you know, it's it's a lot of important discovery that has to get done on the, the part of the design consultant. And then it's a matter of how we present options to our customers so that they do feel like they can find the right product at the right value with the right benefits. Because if we're not talking about the benefit enough, it becomes a decision solely based on dollars. And that's not really going to serve the customer long term. And it's certainly not going to serve the builder either.
4: Jane, thanks so much for Joining us this week and taking the time—I know you are a busy, busy person. Uh, so we appreciate. Well, it. Uh,
5: we're all busy uh, in this wonderful industry that we have right now. Everybody, uh, everybody's focusing on all the uh, amazing opportunities in front of us. So I'm uh, happy to, to spend the time with you guys today. Thank you for having me.
3: Thank you.
0: And we're back. So apologies again. Hopefully we're able to edit the, you know, we had to skip to phone calls for our time with Jane because of the internet, as I always say, technology only breaks, but Jane is awesome. True. She is without a doubt, my favorite design studio and process expert. And I mean, there's a big difference between a builder putting up a design studio on their own and just kind of building some kitchens and throwing stuff here and there. The amount of time and effort that she and her team put into this stuff. I mean, we spent probably six months or over six months between a lot lighting designer, not in terms of what lighting do we sell to customers, but how do we make sure the space is well lit in a retail way? Architects, engineers, making sure all the samples can be cut to the right size or ordered in the right size. I mean, it is a massive, massive undertaking. And when you walk through a space that Jane and her team have worked to to design, it's just something that you can feel. Okay. This is, it's, it's like when you close a car door and it just that satisfying thud of a well-built, you know, small tolerance design. And then you walk into another design. Space and you're like, huh? This wall like goes halfway into this kitchen vignette. That's that's weird. Or you can't open the door here. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Don't don't build a a Kmart design studio. No, are
1: those even around? They closed them down here. But yeah, don't be Kmart.
0: That's uh. Well, Sears is bankrupt, so I imagine Kmart is also bankrupt. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Who knows? I don't know.
0: All right, let's uh let's get to this week's new question of the week, Andrew. What do we got? This
1: is a fun one. It'll be two parts. So first part. What does your regular interaction with sales leadership look like? And then there will be a poll in the Facebook group. How often in a month do you meet with sales leadership? And I think there'll be a yeah. prize. Right, Kevin? We're going to have a prize Yeah, well, you know, The poll's
0: easy. You just click on the, the vote. But if you give that extra context in the comments about what that regular interaction looks like, then you will be eligible for not just a prize, but a major, major prize. Yeah. So major, yeah. what's
1: the movie? A major award. It's going to be a leg lamp.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Christmas, story. Yeah. Christmas story. It <laughs> will not be a leg lamp because <laughs> I don't want to start any marital fights uh, about whether you display the, the lamp in the window or not. Ooh, well, it'll be something different than that. So make sure you answer that one. Hey, that'll do it for this week for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more check out to you It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and anywhere else we are on social media. Have a great week. And we'll see you next time.
2: See you. Bye.